Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Stremming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. Friends, I'm excited to let you know about Connection Summit Conversations. This is six candid conversations between Marissa Martino, myself, and occasionally a special guest covering everything from the human half of dealing with dog-directed reactivity to the importance of play. So check out the link in the show notes. We're getting started soon and you won't want to miss it. This podcast topic, frustration barking, is coming at you because patron Alyssa Looney asked about it over in Patreon, and I thought it really deserved an entire episode. So when it comes to barking out of frustration, so barking at the trainer due to perceived frustration in the dog, the first thing we need to do is define frustration. So what is frustration? Well, it's defined as Distress or annoyance because of the inability to change or achieve something. And that really tracks with the barking examples because I know that if my dogs bark at me, it is about um, kind of their inability to win, their inability to get to whatever it is that they're trying to get to in the moment. So, of course, we need to first look at just good, clean training practices. So if the dog is barking at you, then your loop is not clean. And let's remember that your loop is what occurs between the start, the setup, the prompt of the behavior and the reinforcement. Right. So you've got the behavior happening in between the prompt and the reinforcer. And then the reinforcer needs to lead us right back to the prompt. So that is a nice clean loop. And if you're getting barking in there, I want you to pay attention to where you're getting it because you're probably always getting it after the prompt, right? So before the behavior. So there's prompt, bark, 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 behavior, reinforce. In that case, you're probably looking at the dog not being totally sure what behavior is going to lead him to reinforcement. If you're getting prompt behavior, bark, 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 reinforcement, then our feelings are probably more about the reinforcement, about get it to me faster, get it to me better, get it to me in a different way. And then if you're getting prompt behavior, reinforcement, and then a lot of barking in between the reinforcement and the prompt, that's arguably the easiest one to clean up. That just means you need some kind of additional piece of information there to transport the dog back into the prompt appropriately. So you might be a little bit lost, so let's talk about some specifics. If I am working on, let's say, 
a an end behavior on a contact and let's just let's just say the teeter okay so let's just say i'm working on a four on position on a board or a plank that moves and i want the dog to hop onto that board stick with four on while the board moves and then not release until i release the dog to reinforcement so let's say that the prompt is the dog and I walk towards the board together. Dog gets on the board and sticks with four on. That's the behavior. And then let's say I'm going, let's, let's just go through a variety of different options that I might release to reinforcement. So let's say in one scenario, I mark and throw a piece of food and the dog and goes and eat, dog goes and eats the food. So now after the dog has taken that food, I have a choice. If I'm working with the kind of prop that I can just turn around, face the prop again, and essentially I've created the mirror image of the prompt that I started with, perfect. I'm probably not getting frustration barking in there. Let's say alternatively that I whip out a tug toy and the dog latches onto it and we tug and we tug all the way back up to the starting position. I remove the tug toy and we approach the board again. Okay, that can probably also exist in a clean loop. But what happens if I approach the board and the dog starts barking and does the behavior while barking? Possible that that's about anticipation of the reinforcer. Possible that that is simply excitement, depending on kind of who your dog is. Is it potentially frustration? Sure, it could be. But if the behavior looks as clean and nice as I want it to look, I'm going to ignore that and keep going. If I in indeed have a clean loop, that there is no ugly gap of like sniffing or running away with the toy or jumping at me for reinforcement between my reinforcement and my prompt, then I'm not going to concern myself with the loop portion and I'm going to move on and think about what else could be going on. So smart reinforcement, I hinted at that just a second ago. That's going to be something you always want to pay attention to. If your dog frustration barks when you're using a toy, but not when you're using food and frustration barking is a problem for you, I'd probably put the toy away and not train with the toy until the behavior is quite fluent. If the dog barks at you because you're using, I don't know, cheese, when you usually use kibble, maybe you've just used a little bit too high stakes of a reinforcer. But what about some other things that, um, that might be going on? So obviously we want to look at our loop. We want to make sure that our reinforcer is actually working for us. And that goes, that goes as far as deciding where the reinforcer is delivered and what type the reinforcer is. We don't just want to walk out to our training space and use whatever happens to be there. We want to always, always be smart about what is there. And I want you to refer back to the agility, the best agility training practices episode series if you're confused about some of these strategies that I'm talking about. But I also want you to be very critical about when this is happening. Is this happening during motion-based behaviors? Is it happening when you train in, in a specific location? What about time of day? Does it, is it more likely to happen if you train in the morning or the evening? Is it, like I said, only happening during, you know, use of a specific reinforcer or is it 
getting attached to a specific task. All of these things matter if you want to get rid of the barking. General easy ways to get rid of the barking, clean up the loop, increase the rate of reinforcement, increase the clarity. Those are going to be simple ways to get rid of the barking for you. But if it's happening in a specific location, I would remove that behavior from that location, teach it somewhere else to fluency before I put it back in that location. If it's happening a lot um, in the morning, then I would train behaviors that are less likely to get me the barking in the morning rather than these tougher behaviors. Or I would scrap the morning training session altogether and do something else. It's possible that the dog needs some exercise in the morning, not school. If it is happening, you know, with those specific reinforcers, like I've said, switch the reinforcer. There's no rule book that says you have to use this for this. If it's hap happening during a specific task, a lot of people say, well, my dog doesn't like blank. My dog, you know, gets highly, oh my gosh, I hear this constantly. Wing wraps make my dog aroused. Y'all, no, they don't. Okay, wing wraps make your dog pissed because you've asked for like 300 of them in a row before you've reinforced. <laughs> so if a specific skill tends to make them a little barky at you, they're probably telling you that you're not paying them well enough for what you're asking or they don't understand what you're asking. Both things can be fixed for sure. So nobody likes this answer, but... When it comes to frustration barking during training, the answer is be very critical about when it's happening and what the other factors are and tweak those factors. The answers have nothing to do with the dog. They have nothing to do with what to do in the moment because if the barking already happened, it's over, right? So that it's kind of a throwaway rep because you're not gonna fix it now. Everybody wants to know, what do I do when it starts happening? Well, you can hang it up and not train anymore that day. You can, or you can pivot, but definitely don't just keep trying to do what you're doing and definitely don't tell the dog to be quiet or kind of annoying things like that because they don't understand that either. And then you're probably just going to increase the frustration barking some more. So it's clean up your training, have a really hard look at your reinforcement. And also, again, pay attention to those tiny details. Is it this behavior? Is it while I'm doing something specific, like maybe moving or being still, you know, and those things can always be pulled out and addressed in other ways. And I would address them with your reinforcers. So if the dog has a hard time with your motion towards, let's say, the wobble board that we that was in the original example, if the dog is fine until you start running, well, I would be working on some different behaviors while you're running. They're easier, more fluent behaviors, like perhaps a sit or a down out of motion. So best of luck. Get back over on Patreon and ask more questions about this if you still have them. And some Patreon questions for you. The first one comes from Jasper. Jasper writes, my 14-month-old rescue border collie, Addie, has a light and shadow fixation I've been managing since I got him at eight months. He's made huge improvements since adding decompression walks and is generally a lot better than he was when I got him. He still does some obsessive type behaviors like running repetitive tracks or loops when his needs aren't being fully met. 
when life happens, like surgery, work hours, rainstorms, etc. But he no longer seeks out shadows as much and can redirect so much easier. Well, first of all, Jasper, way to go. Jasper continues, my issue. My partner is hopefully bringing home an Aussie puppy in a few weeks, sooner than planned, yikes. I know dogs learn from each other and can pick up bad habits easily. So I'm really worried about her learning the shadow and light chasing behaviors from him or even the loop running. Are neurotic obsessive type behaviors like this something that can be learned? And would a management plan simply involve removing him and distracting her be a solid start? So... Really interesting question, Jasper. And first of all, the uh, shadow chasing light fixation thing in border collies, it's a very real thing. It's a compulsive disorder. It often requires pharmaceutical intervention. And since the dog has a tendency towards some other compulsive behaviors, you might talk to a veterinary behaviorist to just make sure that we're all that we're doing as much as we can in terms of therapies um, for this dog to make sure that the dog is as supported as possible. It is absolutely my experience that most of these behaviors reduce with appropriate exercise um, for all breeds, but certainly for border collies. And you know, for instance, I had a client who had a Rottweiler who had compulsive fly snapping it's invisible flies y'all so the dog is like snapping at the air and it increased when he was not exercised so like during the school term when she didn't have enough time to exercise him appropriately it went through the roof and then during the summer it went away because she exercised him so much and so you know that's just one anecdote can these behaviors be learned well pretty much anything can so I want you to keep that in mind as you go forward. If this puppy is not from a line of dogs that exhibits similar things, which, you know, it's another herding breed puppy, so there very much could be some compulsive type tendencies in this puppy, then I'm less worried about it. For instance, if you were getting like a showbred golden retriever, I would be very much not worried about it. But you're getting an Aussie and I don't know what kind of Aussie. So, eh, you know, your concerns are valid. I'm not overly concerned with the puppy learning it to a compulsive level especially with what you now understand about wellness and the fact that you will be putting all of these great wellness techniques um, to use with this puppy what I would do is certainly manage around the situations where Addie is likely to display these compulsive behaviors, and I wouldn't allow the puppy to observe those behaviors. So yes, just kind of manage the situation so that if Addie is in one of her compulsive loops, the puppy is not a witness to it. And then just focus hard on wellness for both of them positive reinforcement-based training for both of them. And like I mentioned, you might reach out to a veterinary behavior specialist for Addie. Thank you so much for your question, Jasper. Okay, the next question is two different questions with kind of generally the same theme. So I'm going to read them both and then I will answer them. First one comes from Patricia who writes, I have a four-year-old Australian cattle dog, border collie, whatever mix. So herding mixy mix. We walk off leash two to three miles almost daily, mostly in dog interesting places. We're still working on recalls. He's maybe 75 to 80% solid. So I tend to reward check-ins early in our walks and taper off as he gets interested in the environment. He eventually chases squirrels and rabbits. I'm okay with that in places we walk and sniffs. However, when the environment seems less interesting, no squirrels or whatever, he tends 
tends to beg for rewards, nose touches for treats, runs ahead and lies down asking me to throw his ball, which I do, and he chases half-heartedly and might retrieve or ignore, etc. This looks a lot like throwing out behaviors for rewards to me, so I wonder, is this decompressing or training? He's generally a pretty relaxed dog at home, so I think his needs are being met, but I want him to be a dog, not a prospect on these walks. Not to mention, I need my decompression walks too. So I hear you, Patricia, and I'm going to next read uh, David's question. David writes, Hi, Sarah. After, after listening to some of your podcasts, I started to reinforce my two-year-old border collie, Ereed, every time she checks in with me or she is close to me during our off-leash walks and hikes. Now she chases wild animals much less and tends to stay near me even when I can't heavily reinforce her, like I'm riding my mountain bike or ski touring. On the one hand, this is good because I can manage her in case we meet a runner, biker, skier that she sometimes reacts to or another dog that she always reacts to if I don't ask for her attention. On the other hand, I wonder whether now she can actually decompress during her off-leash time since sometimes I feel she is more interested in me than the environment. What would be the right balance in your opinion? How should I reinforce her from being close to me without having her over-focused on me? So David and Patricia and so many more people who have these questions, there's a balance to be found here. We need them to disengage and decompress, right? We need them to be on their own, sniffing, being dogs. But we also need them to keep us on their radar. We also need them to respond readily when we ask them to. So, gosh, there's, there is a tough balance. Everybody kind of needs to find what they're happy with here. What I will say is do not reinforce behaviors you do not like. So, Patricia, don't throw the ball for the dog that is doing the down and kind of asking you to throw the ball. I wouldn't even bring the ball. I would just bring food on the walk. If you're in a place where you know the dog is likely to be glued to you, like your more manicured parks or something like that, don't be paying for all those check-ins. Adjust what you're doing based on the environment and adjust what you're doing based on what the dog is giving you. There is not a recipe or a formula I wish there was. You want to reinforce behaviors that you want to see more of and you want to ignore or not reinforce the other behaviors. But generally speaking, your problem of the dog being highly, highly attentive to you when you're out in the world is one that average pet owners would laugh at. They want their, they're desperate for their dog to pay better attention to them. So first of all, pat yourself on the back because you've got a dog that is keyed into you in environments that are very interesting to dogs, more interesting than a person with a pocket full of kibble. So you're doing a really, really great job, but What's important is that you see a nice balance of the dog sniffing, running, rolling, being a dog, and also listening when you ask them to. So I know that might not be as cut and dried of an answer as you were interested in getting, but that really is the one. You want to watch what's happening and adjust accordingly. And I adjust all the time. It's not ever just, you know, because my dog is X years old and we are in Y environment, I do Z. It is, okay, on the last walk, my dog was super glued to me, so I'm not going to reinforce check-ins on this walk. Or on my last walk, I didn't get a lot of check-ins, so I'm actually going to reinforce check-ins every time on this walk. It is about observing and responding just like everything else is. Thank you all for your questions. 
Are you on Patreon yet? It's where you can get all the extras for this podcast. The original tier over there still exists, where the dog people of the internet provide the questions for the episodes and guide the content of the podcast. But there's a new tier. You can become a Cog Dogarino and get access to my training sessions with my own dog. So that includes agility, obedience, behavior, and stuff with my brand new puppy, Rhea, live guest chats, and more. So go to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. The link is in the show notes. You don't want to miss out.